Greetings, everybody, and welcome to the post-block party, after party, and we're here live once again on the internet. I'm Dan. I have a few people with me here tonight. First of all, we have my co-host, who is making his glorious return to streaming. It is Mr. Carlos Atrell. Hello, Carl. Hello. Hello, Dan. Hello, Peter. Hello, David. Hello, viewers. Viewer. <laughs> viewer. The one viewer. <laughs> oh, that, that's probably me. <laughs> yeah, I'll say konbanwa to all of our Japanese viewers. Konbanwa. Is that good evening? Yes, we it have is. Japanese viewers? Um, no. Carl and think... might be uh, watching from Japan. All right. Yeah, but it'd be a different different time zone. Probably have to say Johnny Karasan. That's very good. During your time working for CFAX as an engineer, Peter, did you have to speak to people in Japanese? No, never. Oh, no. Japanese was not a it's not something that CFAX supported. But I've been learning Japanese because I've got a project where I have to be able to read the control panels. So I have to know whether I should press hi or ie or tojiru. There's another word which uh, I was quite surprised. The Japanese for shutdown is shutdown. Yeah, sounds nice, doesn't it? Yeah, they couldn't be bothered to invent their own word. They just called it shutdown. Ah. Shutdown. Well, greetings to all the people out there in the stream watching right now who are learning Japanese at the moment. There might be at least one person out there. Komanwa. Konnichiwa. Konnichiwa. Sayonara. <laughs> Kayonara. Peter Kwan. Peter Kwan. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Yes, it's the man who needs no introduction. Um, the man who's learning Japanese. As usual, I'm not organized. I could have had a, uh, a rare interview, Carl and Mort, discussing the ins and outs of the contract to take over from Oracle, which never happened. Uh -huh. There's a huge document about a foot thick that detailed everything that they were going to do. Unfortunately, they lost out to Teletext, so the rest is history. They did dig out those old documents for us to discuss. Apparently, it was a very good bid. It just was about half the price it should have been. And the Victor was a very good bid with one one hundredth of the uh, amount of documentation. You had like volumes and tomes coming from Mort's bid, and then the people who actually won it, it was basically uh, just a sheet of paper with this is how much we're prepared to bid. Doing the chat with Mort was absolutely fascinating, and it was all very impromptu, so we didn't really record an awful lot of it. Yes, that Sunday was a little bit more improvised, shall we say, and that's saying something by our usual standards. So the museum checks at the start, is there like to be anything worth recording today? So they decided not to, and five minutes into the art block, we get this Mort Smith gem emerging, and I'm about 10, 15 minutes later, Peter makes a sensible decision to actually record this, so we might have to try again next year and capture yeah, it all on film. I should introduce the other participants. So we've had Carl, we've had Peter, but we also have David. Hello, David. Hello. How are you this evening? I'm good, and I stopped coughing before we went live as well. Excellent. Well, hope you're feeling okay. Have you recovered from last week yet? It was two weeks ago, and it's hard to tell, really. Nope. There was a bit of a race to the deadline waiting for a clear COVID test. So it could be the excitement of block party. It could be the lingering infection or a bit of both. It's 
hard to tell really. No, unfortunately, a few people quite sensibly couldn't join us at block party because as nice it would have been to have COVID completely cleared and no risk, it was still too much for a few people to take. So looks like 2023 is going to be a better year in that respect. Yeah. It was a shame that you went there yourself to do your double act with Carl. He was stuck with me instead for the weekend and he did a great job. Uh, yeah, both yourself and Carl did a great job, actually especially in the ZXNet editor demonstration, which was a lot of fun. But we're going to come to that a little bit later because we have one more participant I have to introduce, and it is the famous Mr. Nathan Dane. Hello, Nathan. Hi. Uh, <laughs> hey. hey, you've been on lots and lots of radio shows recently and television shows, haven't you? Uh, yeah, a couple of months back now, but yeah. <laughs> So what was that like? Was that the first time you've been on the radio and TV? Uh, yeah, it was unusual. <laughs> I've never I've never done anything like that before in my life. I've never been so much in demand. It was just like the, I have uh, an NMS email account and it was just the top page of it was just all, you know, reporters asking for photos, radios asking for interviews. It's so weird. <laughs> well, it was absolutely wonderful to hear you on the radio. And you've archived a lot of the clips on your website, haven't you? If people want to go and see that. Yeah, all the audio clips are on the off from the radio shows are on my website, along with links to a lot of the newspaper articles and uh, a video of the BBC Breakfast appearance. They're all on my website. Fantastic. I enjoyed your appearance on BBC Breakfast, but you didn't get enough time. They should have given you another five minutes. They, they uh, kind of cut you off in your prime, didn't they? There was an issue. It was supposed to be, I can't remember now what the time was, but there was a time that I was given to log on. So I logged on to the Zoom account. They have a, a BBC Zoom system i logged on to it and it just came up that the room was in use and that you know we couldn't log in so i just thought oh, i'll probably have somebody else on just give it like a minute and it'll let me in but a couple of minutes went past and there was nothing happening so i was just about to ring the guy that i was uh, chatting to from there when the gallery rang me and said here we know there's a problem we'll send you another link have you got it yet <laughs> and it was all very last minute then trying to get me on as quickly as possible because i think at that stage you know it was starting to get to the point where if it was any later there wouldn't be any point type of thing so yeah there was an issue there I think also there was a problem with uh, Novak Djokovic, wasn't there? He, he sort of um, took over the whole news agenda with uh, the Australian Open. All of a sudden, everyone just wanted to talk about tennis. So I remember I was, I was about to go into work and I was watching it on the iPlayer, waiting for it to come up. And I'm just like, I'm just hating on tennis completely because I wanted the teletext starting to come up. Yeah. It's a shame. But I think, Nathan, considering all that stuff that happened behind the scenes, you gave a very good account of yourself. In fact, not just in that interview, but in all of the interviews, you speak very clearly and eloquently. And I've been you're... upstage. The cat has arrived. Oh. Oh. <laughs> we've, we've got a cat in one, and then we've got Peter's dog in another. 
I, I don't know how she does it. I'm amazed she didn't show up in some of the TV or radio interviews or something because she just seems to know when I'm doing something that she'll get seen. Now she's walking on the keyboard. That's, that's good. Can you not? Oh, once again, the pets are taking over tonight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry, what was her name again? Whiskers. Whiskers, yeah. Yeah. Does Whiskers have anything to say to the people out there in Block Party Land? Nah, she's just she's just happy to be getting a load of attention. She's purring away here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's great that she's Teletext level two colours as well. White, orange, and black. I did once try drawing her, but it didn't work out. So that oh. won't have uh, <laughs> that one have ever been. She kept public. moving. <laughs> I, I think you should try again. You should do it again. I'd like to see her in Teletext. Get a, yeah. get a good drawing of her sitting up somewhere. <laughs> just, just get her to walk across the keyboard with the control codes, see what happens. <laughs> okay, so that is all our participants tonight. Hello, everybody. Hello. And... Thank you for joining us for this post-block party. What are we going to call it? Hold down, showdown, something After or other down? After party. <laughs> yes. Hi, everybody in the chat. Please do leave your messages. We want this to be as interactive as possible, especially for those of you who couldn't make it to the block party. Two weeks ago, unfortunately, I wasn't there, but the other people here were, the other people in the stream were. Feel free to ask them questions. I'm going to ask them questions too and try and get more of a picture of what Block Party was like for all of you who couldn't make it. So hello to Carl Atrell, who's in the chat. <laughs> Hi. Hello. Oh, yes, there I am. I'm famous. Hey, it's good to have you back, Carl. Good, yeah. It was, it was really good to do as well. It was, good, it was good fun. It was great fun to see everyone again after all this um, hiatus, although it was like the first one back and it was um, a lot of interest there. And then the next one will be even bigger. Yes, bigger and better. Uh, the same, I'd say the same standard. <laughs> I wouldn't say, say it would be any better. I thought I, thought I was a Stuart Lee, to be fair. Oh, you do yourself down. Every time on this stream, you do yourself down. Do you have a Teletext-related shirt on currently? I don't, actually. This is just a Ben Sherman shirt. Ah. But yeah, the uh, I Love T-shirt made a cameo and um so did uh, grim fandango he wore his for the uh, for the event and when you trailed this um on on twitter you had the lovely photo of uh, me and jason sporting the uh, t-shirts that came from telis texty texty tv tv uh, yeah, like but um, yeah, didn't didn't have time to slip into something more comfortable so just shot straight in tonight Ooh. Ooh. Yes, that was quite cool, actually, because that picture of yourself with Jason caused quite a bit of a star among Finnish teletech circles, didn't it? It was quite popular on Twitter. Yep, that was it. And I think, that, what are we, the teletext nutcases or something? Is that how it translates uh, across the British nutcases? Are at it again. Uh, and, <laughs> Ooh, we've been uh, upgraded. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we've been upgraded to nutcases. That's progress. 
What were we fanatics or something? I can't remember how it translated across. I think uh, Dan had the literal translation, and and I think in one of them articles where we did the artwork, it was commented that what was it? We're we're the nutcases or British teletext freaks? Yes, that was it. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, freaks. Uh, it's brilliant. That it's a brilliant term. We should appropriate it. We should use it, shouldn't we? Well, yeah, I, I think the view data guys should be sort of freaks because that comes from phone freaking, maybe from hacking and things like that. I don't know, it might upset them if we, if we call them freaks, I guess. Oh, well, I don't know, John John Newcomb, who had a... I'm going to mispronounce it like Duke Newcomb. It's not spelled <laughs> that way. Um, yeah, he popped on to Peter's panel at very short notice. and He was brilliant. Had, yeah, Great had value. quite an interesting bit about the sort of hacking culture around the famous moment of getting into Prince Philip's Presto mailbox. So, yes, I think you might approve of that association with the early hacking culture. Microlive has tracked down one of the hackers, and since he wants to keep on using his phone, he naturally wants to remain anonymous. So I think we'll just call him Mike. Is this true that you actually hacked the Duke of Edinburgh's account? Yes, it is. And what did you find there? Not a lot. I could have read his mail which was mail that he'd been sent from Prestel users. And I could also have sent mail which would have come from the Duke of Edinburgh. So people who read the mail would have thought they'd had a message from the Duke of Edinburgh, when in fact it came from me. Do you think of yourself as an electronic thief, as they try to imply in that uh, press cutting? No, I use Prestel myself um, in business for sending information to my friends, and I've got my life savings in my HomeLink account, which is a home banking system on Prestel. I want that system be, to be as safe as possible because I've got my money amongst other people's, and I'm making sure that Prestel is safe. At the moment, it isn't. I'd like to see it as safe as possible. Thank you very much. Yeah, I, I, that was really interesting. That was like, you know, hack culture just came around full circle. I mean, you know, me and Dan eulogise all the time about Max Hedrum broadcast intrusions and things like that. And we love talking about that on this show. And it was just really nice to get another real hack that actually happened and the first ever hack and um, get first hand or, or a very close to first hand um, experience of it. Because um, although he didn't let on, I'm sure he probably knew the people that were doing it. <laughs> But I just don't know. Yes, I was indeed recorded, courtesy of the museum themselves, um, as were all of the panels on Saturday, in fact. So there we see from left to right, uh, John Newcomb, also known as Mr. Viewdata to some people. Mm -hmm. And next along, Tony Jewell, our man at the museum, who brought some very nice pastel terminals. He's here be dragons on Twitter, if anyone wants to find him. Very nice, very nice chap. They're both really nice, top gentlemen. Find them. Find them and follow them. Out of context, yeah. that's um, a bit disturbing sounding, isn't it? <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. Uh, Just read what I said there, uh, Nathan. <laughs> yeah. yeah, perhaps I, um, I'll retract that. I think, yeah, when, when this goes out live, we'll cut that bit. Yeah, oh, I must I- apologise to Nathan, who's occasionally cut out a frame there. Hello oh, to... What a blessing for us all. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Nathan, you want to laugh the Coca-Cola, mate. <laughs> yes, I was wondering about the Coca-Cola. I wondered if it was a surreptitious product placement. Or not so surreptitious, because it's quite blatant. The cans um... of Coke on the rise. That, that was David. He said, oh, um, I'm going to run out and get some sandwiches or anything. I said, I'll have some Mars bars and some cans of Coke. And he come back with... Uh, Mars bars and cans of Coke, slim cans, very, very nice. And it was, um, 
full fat coke as well, which I hadn't had for a while. Yeah. I had sort of like wall to wall carpet in my mouth after after eating and drinking that lot. <laughs> it was lovely though. Yeah, so maybe if we negotiate a deal, I think we've mentioned coke about ten or twenty times. So ten quid a mention, maybe. Uh, well, we could catch the wave and then get some Pepsi as well, couldn't we? People are, as we cocologists say, catching the wave. Catch it if you can, can. Catch the wave. Coke. <sighs> so did you want me to play the clip? Yeah, huge thank you to Jason Fitzpatrick while I remember because um, he was the one who did the video in. Huge thanks to him. Yeah, and of course all the museum volunteers who kept things running smoothly behind the scenes despite our best efforts to bring a touch we of chaos. We tried to ruin them. We tried to pop a few BBCB power supplies and get the magic smoke. I tried crashing the Doomsday Project several times, but I, I believe it's still running. Okay. okay. So I have Carl's question queued up here. Just remember to ask you something from the morning session. Um, yeah. So with the use of the view data systems, that was the first case hacking attempt, oh, yes. mm. um, which set precedent for all future hacking attempts ever since. Yeah. Can you elaborate on it in a better way than I could? I think what was interesting about this is when, when the hack happened, there was no law under which to prosecute them. I think they used some sort of forgery, you know, it, it was a forgery act, it was a, wasn't yeah, it? it was a fraud, fraud case with forgery, wasn't it? Yeah. As far as I'm aware, it was um, somebody, somebody got a modem and did, what was it, 10 fours or something? It was a guy called Richard Schiffrin, I think, mm. and Steve Gold. Uh, Steve Gold was the famous one, I suppose, because you know his name. He was messing about with the modem. He knew the press on numbers, but he found himself, he was just typing any old characters in. Just, I don't think he was even looking at the screen. That's the story I heard. And he realised he'd got to a test system that was still there. So he just started, it asked him for a password, so he just started entering numbers. And he put 10 twos in, and then used 1, 2, 3, 4 as a password. And it got him in, <laughs> into a test system. So the phone number was just 10 twos? No, no, the, was that was the user code. Was the user code, yeah, so right. He was, he was, he was, you know, hackers used to just dial mm. things until they got an answer, didn't they? Now, he knew about teletext and Presto, so it obviously helped. And Steve Gold knew about this stuff too. So that got him into a test system, and in the test system were a load of accounts copied from a live system. So they were able then to get log on as... Uh, as Phillips, yeah. Um, and then they sent an, an email, didn't they, during MicroLive to make that. Uh, they both got prosecuted, they good barristers, but they got prosecuted and they were found guilty. They went to appeal, and I think one of the barristers, who was a, a guy who used to advise police on computer crime, Steve Gold went and got him as, a, as an advocate, uh, which helped a lot. And he went to the House of Lords, they got it overturned, because there was no law really, that, that, you know, until they did that, there was no law in place, and of course that changed everything. The thing is that they haven't done themselves any favours, because they went around telling everybody that they'd done it. So they went to Preston and told them, went to the newspapers and told everybody it was all great fun uh, and then thatcher at the time bt was about to to go public and uh thatcher wasn't very keen on this so she took a round bag and, and told some bt guys to sort it out so they ended up prosecuting the two guys which of course by now weren't hard to find because mm -hmm. so that, that was kind of the story that's that's what i remember but as i said they did get found guilty and i think steve served the sentence yeah, he's, he's not with his own Steve, so... Yeah. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, that's question. you got to remember though, sorry, just to mm. add to that. you got to remember back then, hacking was fun and people did it cause, to see if they could. There was no malice, there was never any mm. malice really. Um, 
I think that's why they told everyone. Yeah. They weren't expecting that this would, this would know, become legal. I think if you talk to anybody, particularly work for the telecoms company like I did, you know, what did you do with your BBC Micro and Modem? Well, you're going to get similar answers. Right? Mm. Because it was fun, you just did. And you did, you told your friends and went on the bullet board. And, but nobody was doing it out of malice, nobody was stealing data. And it was just, you know, it was just fishing, really. Right, thank, thank you to Peter, to Tony, to Jason, and to Nathan all the that was just a brief clip of the Teletext and View Data panel, which, if I may introduce another talking point here. Uh, first of all, it was fantastic to hear from some of the View Data side of things, because that's something that we don't really cover a lot here, but we should. We should cover more the well, Prestel and the Minitel and things like that. Funny you should say that, Dan. What actually kicked off the thought? You remember back in Block Party at Wigan? Yes. It was when Rob O'Donnell came along with his own Presto bits and pieces. So that's what sparked the thought of there's a bit more to these services and just teletext. So no, it's not, it's not the first time. But it, it's good to expand the horizons a bit, I think. Yeah, but I do believe at the Wigan event, we could have highlighted the BBC Micro and the video tech side of things a lot more. But we just, we didn't have the time and space, I don't think, because yeah. unfortunately it was relegated to a little corner. It deserved more of a spotlight, I think. But we can remedy that going forward, definitely. But just a talking point that I wanted to bring up while we're on the subject of that is that particular panel really highlighted to me how much our little community is about collaboration because everybody was always talking about, I used a little bit of this other panelist's code or I used this person's technology and I built on it. And together, we made something greater than the sum of its parts. So what do we think about that? Do we agree with that? It's oh, definitely yeah, very much so. It would have been nice to have Alistair Buxton on there because he did a very vital part of the software. He doesn't seem to hog the limelight much. He's always sneaked in at the back of the block party events. So, uh, yeah, there, there are more people who've been contributing to it. So, yeah, it's definitely... a a collaboration. It's great that you mentioned Alistair Buxton because he's one of the trailblazers of the modern teletext scene and even teletext recovery. In a way, we wouldn't be where we are now if it weren't for Alistair. Yeah, and, and all the enthusiasts who brought it together. Quite honestly, when I heard the, the, about the first block party that you're going to sell tickets for Mr. Biffo's event, I thought, how are you going to get sell, sell that many tickets? And within a week, they're all sold. Clearly, there's a fan base still out there. Who did the original block party? That's probably responsible for a lot of nonsense with found footage ever since. Yeah, uh, I, I think the charm of teletext is, um, yeah, a lot, a lot of people might be interested, say, in uh, Commodore or ZX Spectrum and that and that sort of thing as well, and and have an interest in teletext. But I think the charm of teletext is that it's sort of like, um, I don't know, there's no sort of like established model that you've got to follow. Each one of us that have um, encountered the software and or the hardware have interpreted it our own ways, and it's actually been very useful to everyone else. So everyone else is actually interested in it. It's a nice medium that way, and it's, it's collaborative to the extent that you know you want other people to appreciate your work. Perhaps with some things that are more 
sort of like mainstream there's a prescribed way that you've got to be liking the hobby already and that certainly doesn't apply in teletext and view data it exists really because of our interest in it and we don't feel like it's being stolen from us if someone else wants to do it we're going yeah go on you know use it use the stuff as well and I wouldn't have got into this at all if it wasn't for um, seeing things by Electra Labs and then then finding things that were happening through Alistair Buxton, Alistair Cree, Simon Rawls and yourself Dan you know and it, and it's just like a jigsaw puzzle isn't it it's it sort of like it, it all links together at the end and now you've got like loads of new artists always coming through now and you'll see in the art showcase they take the baton on to the next level, you know, using a lot of animation, a lot of level 2.5 or two and a half, taking these things on to the next level. And credit to Nathan, you know, he's, um, as, as Jeremy Vine said, you know, he shouldn't be, he shouldn't be interested in Teletext at his age. My God, why isn't he going around wearing a hoodie and throwing stones at, through bus stops and things like that? But he is, and 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 he and he's doing that. He's using a bit of what we've done. He's using a bit of you know a lot of innovation that he's done as well. But obviously, you need the, the curious public to, to to keep using it to keep the interest alive. So and 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 this is where the baton is getting passed on to the next people. Video recovery was amazing for me. I just really. Um, completely fascinating and the dedication to the work um, there is another video that is on online already and i think it's had the most hits from from that weekend and that's uh grim fandango jason's show on was it sex ta- lies and videotapes or, or sex slides Te- and video text tapes. lines and videotapes <laughs> yeah but thanks dave and then um it's all all really good it's all really good so what is the archive value of Teletext? I mean, why even bother archiving Teletext? Because, you know, we've users everywhere. We've, we, have, we've, we have newspaper archives. But if we have newspaper archives, why can't we have Teletext archives? Each newspaper has an archive of its own, so why not Teletext? I mean, Teletext is, is you know, it's, it's a good one to archive because it's uh, non-partisan. So it's um, certainly a useful archive to have news-wise and content-wise. So it's, you know, it's just as relevant It's because it's interesting from a historical, cultural and technical point of view. Um, it's an early example of IT in the home and it's a precursor to the internet. We've seen our teletext pages made of rows. They're actually called packets in the description and the internet works on packets. So it's kind of a, an early sort of front runner of packet driven data. But a teletext also contains really early examples of digital art so it's really good to be able to archive those and uh, retrieve those. And it's, it's also a good example of doing a lot with very little. Because in the early days, storage was at a premium. RAM was expensive. Teletext just uses a thousand bytes, really, to store a page in. And with those uh, thousand bytes, you can do all sorts of graphics. You can put text in, you can have different colours. So you can do a lot with it, even though there's not very much space. Teletext is also a useful source of programme schedule information. So um, we do have the BBC genome, of course, on the internet now to look, to look up BBC programmes. But Teletext schedules are probably more accurate than the BBC genome because of any late-changing programme times, etc. If some, a programme overruns, then um, CFAX can be updated, whereas the Radio Times, which is where the genome gets its data from, uh, won't have been updated. We also, we uh, don't have a genome for ITV, so it's a good source of um, schedule information for ITV programmes. 
People are, are always uh, recovering old television programs from videotape. People get the presentation, the implement, the programs in between uh, the programs. The news is also uh, retrieved from videotapes. But teletext, the recovery of teletext gives us another something else to squeeze out of archive videotape as well as the pictures. We can get the data out of it as well. Yeah, I think everybody has a different entry point. We're all coming at teletext from different angles. I discovered this art scene, whereas Peter would have, well, he worked within teletext. And then yourself, you're more of a techie on the techie side of things, and you played around with the art at first and got into that. And then we've got Nathan. Can you repeat what your entry point was, Nathan? I think you mentioned this in your panel, but what was it again? I started off doing this kind of thing because I got a Raspberry Pi. I was messing about with old analog TV kit even before that, which is a fair long time ago now. must be seven or eight years, which is wild. But anyway, I was looking up things to recreate with the Pi, and that was where I came across Raspberry Teletext and started messing about with all that kind of thing, getting that to work coding up the service that is on here now. Oh, so of all the things you can do with the Raspberry Pi, though, what drew you specifically to the Teletext stuff? I don't know. I think it, I think it was because, as I said, I was trying to recreate the analog TV service. I don't really know why, but that was what I was trying to do. <laughs> when I came across CFAX, you know, of the Raspberry Teletext, I just thought, oh, I can do my own CFAX. I can do my own, my own version of the old CFAX service and I can make, assist, you know, bring that functionality back because there's very little of that kind of thing left here now. The closest that we have here at the minute is the BBC Red Button service. Yeah, I just <laughs> started with that. Yeah, I think something that we all share is that wanting to make our own teletext, wanting to have a go at it, is the thing that brings us all together. And like I said, that view data and teletext panel, it, it typified that for me. It was a great snapshot of where we are as a community. And it's wonderful mm -hmm. to see that people are commenting on that video. The sort of fringe people, outsiders, chunky fringe people even, and outsiders might be tempted to come inside and join the Discord and the Facebook and have their own Teletext adventure. I feel like the, the outsider myself here oh, because it was just the digitizer angle that brought me into the Teletext scene a bit. So massive credit to Chris Bell of Superpage58 for archiving the digitizer pages effectively by hand long before the VHS recovery. Money at lunchtime at work spent reading through those pages on his uncoded HTML site. So yes. it was a massive shame he couldn't join us due to personal circumstances, as did a lot of people with COVID still a problem. So yeah. hopefully next year he'll be there. And, uh, just going to say hello to Sarah in the Discord, who's probably our most dedicated viewer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hi, Sarah. I think she might have seen them all from yep. the very first episode. And I would yeah. like to apologise for the lack of V-Birds on Chunky Text this year, so... I did get an honourable mention, though, um, in the reportage when we were going through the entries. I think we were commenting on um, signature artworks. The V-Bird was mentioned. Mm -hmm.
Right. So I, I think that was the highlight for me personally, the main panel with everybody on it. But there were two other panels. And the first of those was the ZXNet editor panel starring Carlos and David. And they both ably, I have to say, wonderfully gave a demonstration of how the teletext editors work. And that's another great resource that we can point people to now. We can say, go to this video and learn about the teletext editor. Yeah, I never thought I'd be giving a live commentary on someone using a teletext uh, editor. But I'm, I'm glad I wasn't doing the drawing. That's the stressful part. All I had to do was bump my gum. So that was uh, well done to David. And when I, I saw that video back, actually, and his boat was a better effort than I actually gave it credit for during the whole video. So my apologies, Dave. Um, <laughs> yes, I've not so much conflicted feelings about that boat, but just a kind of numbness. So the be mentally blocked out and it will emerge a few years later so it's like a, a, a it's like a viking longship for for a teletext burial <laughs> uh yes and if it does get burned that's probably about the best thing that could happen to it so it's, um i suppose at least it sets the bar low for those who are thinking about having a go themselves that you know what i could do best than that not looking at the screen as well so it's no, maybe serves good. a purpose that way so you did, you did it blind, and you know. It's, um, but the whole thing is standing on the shoulders of giants, like the like we were saying earlier about the panel, and with your artwork there, you know, it'd be a better boat than what I could have done. So, and and now people know how to do a teletext boat. So there you go, it's out there with the V birds. The boat was better than you think, David. In fact, at first I thought it had won the art contest. But yeah, it was a very good demonstration. The 45 minutes or however long it was absolutely flew by. But there were a few shout outs in there, weren't there? Um, yes, yeah. I think I managed to call uh, Mort Smith Ian Irving at one point. So sorry about that. Well, Ian Irving was a great teletext artist in his own right. Yeah, and I, I, like, I like, you know, when you look at it now and you see the wind fill, fill in the front of the sail with the um, separated graphics, that's, that's genius. And some holding there as well. Yeah, uh, shame about the palm tree. That's lets down the composition somewhat. Uh, well, that, we mentioned Bob Ross, didn't we, in it? And that, that's what it is. You get this picture, then you just put a whacking, great big tree up in front of it. Never realised what the blood was in the um, in the sea, though. Was that like to, to get the sharks? Um, it was a little commentary on water quality. Ah, okay. Ah, yeah. Everything has a message. There's a hidden message in every pixel. Yes, yeah. It's a very good artwork, actually. Yes, that has defined myself as an artist for the next 10 years on Teletext. That'll be your avatar on the Discord now, forever. Or my epitaph on the gravestone. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yes. So I think Peter actually made a guest appearance on the art, the, the editor panel. You took the mic at one point, didn't you? Yeah, I can't remember what happened there. Was, <laughs> um, he, oh, well, yes, I did a little introduction in German for our friends. Actually, Peter, I think I can remember what it was. Somebody asked, is the ZXNet editor faithful to the teletext editors that were available in the 70s and 80s? Well, in general, all editors are, they're not WYSIWYG, they're WYGIWYG, because what you get is what you get. Yeah, that's it. Especially when it comes to hold graphics. It's a bit of a bit of a lottery as to what turns up after you've done some editing. Well, that's half the fun of it, isn't it? 
It certainly is. Cold graphics are a cruel mistress. That's what they are. Tony has a question. Hello. How similar is this process to how you would have done it back in the day? What was the editors and the tools you would have used? So you wouldn't have used a kind of WYSIWYG editor like this? There's no such thing as WYSIWYG in teletext. Uh, I call it a wiggy wig, because what you get is what you get, because um, you really can't see what it's going to look like while you're editing it, because you can't see the the control codes. Once you get rid of the control codes, you're not sure quite how to edit it, because you don't know what you can mess around with. MRG had its mini-TED editor, probably the worst editor in the world, but... It's the only one they had, and it was 16-bit, ran on Windows 3.1, so that was what, so what they used. So doing graphics like this must have been quite challenging back in the day. Well, you could still see what you were doing. You probably didn't have a mouse, and by all accounts, the people who did these graphics, they, could, they knew exactly which button to press to get which sixel. Yes, if I can just interrupt briefly, there is actually a mouse draw function in the editor but you will find that the keyboard's the more natural way to do it. Yes, even Mini Ted Editor had a mouse drawing feature, but it was completely useless because it's... Um, because unless you've put the control codes in exactly the right place, it's going to pop up with letters and odd, odd bits and pieces. Yes, I shall well, shortly yeah. be launching my Badly Drawn Boat Club series of NFTs. <laughs> Isn't that um, a band, isn't it? Badly Drawn Boat. It's a badly badly drawn boy, of course. Yes. (laughs) So um, did you have a go at any art over the weekend, Nathan? I know you were more into the broadcasting side of things, but did you enter for the art competition? Uh, I didn't, no. Um, By the time I got everything organised to get there in the first place. (laughs) Oh, I see. Yeah, good point. Yeah. But I, I like some of the artworks that you've done, that you've posted in the Discord and on Twitter. So I think you should keep doing it. I do, I do the odd one every every couple of months, maybe. <laughs> I generally spend most of my time doing more of the coding side of things, but I, do, I have a go. I have a go every so often. Yeah. I don't quit the day job. Keep doing the pages from CFAX thingy on YouTube. Because a lot of people love that. I've noticed quite a lot more people are watching now. You've been featured on the radio shows. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a right few people have subscribed to my channel lately. So I think more people watch it afterwards than actually watches it live. But it's no easier to record it than it is to just put it live. So it'll always go out live first. Yeah, it, it must be a good thing for like uh, people the dinner parties and all, they can just display it, a bit of mosaic playing and, and that running in the background. It, it gives it an extra dimension at a dinner party, doesn't it? I've heard reports of people putting it on in the background of waiting rooms in the doctors and things. <laughs> so that would be. Wonderful. I would love to see. I would love to see that in a while. Just come out and say, "Oh yeah, that's that's mine." <laughs> Maybe I in mean, the background on BBC News. Yeah, that would be good as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to repurpose an old Kindle HD or something like that and just have it constantly piping that service and just have it hanging in the uh, downstairs uh, cloakroom toilet. 
someone's done that. I remember this. It was maybe two or three years ago, but there was somebody on the Discord that had a Raspberry Pi with a wee TFT touchscreen, and it shows 152 just continuously. And they must be still using it because anytime I put a new page on the carousel, page 152, generally after an hour or so, I'll get a comment about it. So <laughs> that's quite interesting. <laughs> Yeah, I wonder where the... So, so 152 is the politics page, is it? Uh, no, that's the newsreel. It's what goes oh, out on news. pages from CFAX, so it has everything on it. You have the latest headlines, you have the weather, finance, a few other bits and pieces. At the minute, I have elections and Ukraine on there as well, which isn't normally there, but, you know, obviously. Yeah, the, the colour code lends itself quite well to the Ukrainian flag as well. It does, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that as a gift out the box, you know, you go, there you go, and just give someone something that displays page 152 from your server. Because going slightly off topic, there's a tube map, there's a live tube map that you can get on a PCB, and it takes the um, data from uh, Transport for London, and you can actually have an augmented tube with the trains moving up and down on it, and that, and that just works in the background all the time. And that's like 150 odd or 300 or quid or whatever. But this would be perfect if you just had a Pi and just put in your Wi Fi password and just had a thin TFT screen and put it up there. And you go, that's your news. That is your news. And you can have it in any, in any room of your choice. That would actually be really cool. Yeah. I'm going to have to design that now, aren't I? Because <laughs> yeah. because you could go, look, look, Merry Christmas, Nan. There's teletext. It's back. Yeah, there you go. It's back. Wouldn't that be brilliant? Because there's only six people on the new YouTube, someone is going to be a millionaire doing that. <laughs> someone is going to do very well. It'd be the ideal uh, ideal gift for Christmas. Gadget Shop would just be straight in there for it. Do you know I reckon one of them viewers is, uh, Dan? Uh, who? Santa? I reckon, I reckon it's Alan Sugar. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon he's going to go. This isn't a great solution. Everybody on the on the Clapham on a bus should uh, have page one five two. Well, I hope he's read the CFAX service agreement first. Then <laughs> <laughs> he'll put it on his emailer. <laughs> we play yeah, play spectrum. Yeah, because we'd like to repurpose the old technology, but the ZX Spectrum just doesn't do Mode Seven very well. So mm. might be a non-starter there. And he couldn't do it on the NC100 either, although it's got BBC Basic on it, because it's on an LCD screen, isn't it? So you wouldn't be able to use Mode 7 on that. That would make things awfully complicated. So people in the chat are talking about the first time they wanted to make their own little Teletext service. Sarah says, I love how Teletext encompasses so many areas. You can embrace the hardware side, the software, the recovery side, the artwork, there's something for everybody. Uh, and I also like hearing how people got into Teletext. And then ZX Getter has posted a file from his archives in May 2008. So he has been thinking about making a Teletext service since back then. 2008, that's quite a long time ago now, isn't it? 14 years ago. Wow. It's an age ago. Well, so some, some of us have only been five years old when that happened, Nathan. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I don't know if he heard you. I think he did. Uh, well, Nathan says that his... <laughs> <laughs> well, Nathan says that his earliest attempt at Teletext was 2015. And 
Nathan, you actually mentioned that in the panel, didn't you? And that shocked me that you were tinkering around with this that long ago. Did you only find us, the Teletext community, a couple of years later? Let's see. How it worked was I was sort of like I came across it on websites and stuff. So obviously that was all very much just me fiddling around and making things work. And it wasn't until it wouldn't have been until at least 2016, maybe towards the end of it, that I started chatting to Peter. And it was even later than that before I found the likes of the Facebook group and the Discord group is only for me even is only a fairly recent thing because I remember like I was chatting to Alistair on Facebook Messenger before I even had Discord so that's at least back 2019 or something which I suppose is now three years ago but you know what I mean recent (laughs) so yeah no a lot of I was doing a lot of stuff just by myself to start with before before I joined up with all you great people (laughs) So were you surprised when you saw that other people were doing the same thing or were all interested in teletext still? Did you think it was a very niche thing when you first started messing around with it? Yeah, it was quite quite niche, yeah, because, uh, well, I mean, I didn't know, apart from websites and people whose names I'd heard of and websites who were actually doing this kind of thing. I was sort of the only one who that I could say I knew that did this kind of thing. But yeah, it was all right, like getting to chat. Put it to you this way, when I was going home from the block party on that Saturday evening, my mum, who was with me, she says to me, so will that do you? Do you want to go do another one of them? And I says, oh, yeah. <laughs> you don't, you know, it's, it's nice being around people who do the same things as you, have the same interests as you. You know, that's quite rare with the kind of thing that I get up to, so... Yeah, it's, it is definitely great crack getting chatting to people of like-minded interests. Well, I can tell you, I was quite astounded that you were interested in the uh, B-Bit electronics project and you even wanted all the files. I thought, well, I would take a lot of effort to go through all of that lot and make a V-Bit out of that. But uh, if that's what you want to do, you can have all the files. And as much to my surprise, you actually went through and, got all the bits, and managed to make some. Quite a learning curve, because you've got to learn the CAD, and then you've got to learn the soldering. Quite an ambitious project you're starting off. So, uh, yeah, I was, uh, was amazed that uh, anybody was even interested in looking at the files. I think that was in 2017. I have photos of my first batch of Vivit Pie circuit boards fresh out of the post, And then there's a video of plugging the first one in for the first time, which didn't work. But, you know, (laughs) there's a video of it anyway. I soldered those by hand, didn't have a hot air gun or anything like that. So they were all soldered under a big microscope, which took a long, a long time. But it worked. So (laughs) did the job. Well, we're glad that you did that because you might not have been here today if not for that with your wonderful setup that you have there with your televisions and your little media center because it's a it, center isn't it it's, it's everything it's the center of it's the center of technology yes. it, it's, it's the epicenter of teletext itself a question about that actually when the guardian interviewed you 
did they ask a question about your setup or did they ask for photos or something? Well, the actual interview was just on a normal phone call. So I was walking up and down in here because I do that when I'm nervous. I was walking up and down, just chatting away. Uh, but yeah, they asked, he asked, he emailed me and then asked, first of all, they thought they would be able to send someone out to take a proper photo. But for one reason or the other, I think it was too much of a rush, something like that. They couldn't send anybody anyway. So he basically said, do you have a photo that you could send? So yeah, <laughs> sort of, uh, <laughs> there we go. There's a photo. That was as far as that went. I suppose you should have really asked somebody to take a half decent photo, <laughs> but oh well, it's done now, isn't it? <laughs> ZX Gesser says it's CFAX Mission Control. <laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> good name, a good oh, name good. for it. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just here on a laptop tonight because um, <laughs> I've just gone like, I've just completely had a sort of like a, a life laundry and I'm just on the one laptop. But um, you can never have too many monitors. But unfortunately, is it one's too many, ten's not enough on, yes. a, on, a, on a monitor? Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you there's one thing that uh, Nathan doesn't need in his room right now, and that's a, that's a heater. Um, that'll be, mm. be getting a fair old bit of heat off of them, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably why the cat degrees comes apparently it is up here. <laughs> really? <laughs> There's a fair, fair old bit of heat there. You're the yeah. warmest place in, in, in Northern Ireland at the moment, I reckon. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can see it from space. <laughs> it's glowing. His house is glowing. There was a comment we were discussing with um, the, the, the panellists, and it wasn't actually in a, in a public forum. But it was noted that we all do our thing, we all collaborate, and it seems to be sort of like in the national psyche, we are shed inventors for the want of a better term, and we all tinker about knock something up and make something slightly better than it was. Um, and you can look at everything like from Sinclair to um, or, or, you know, Acorn and things like that and how they've evolved to make something really good. But we, I don't know, we as in our DNA as, as being British or something, when it becomes corporate, when it gets taken over, we lose complete interest in it. I think that's what would happen. Like if uh, if Teletext Incorporated came in and said, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll take this over now, we'll all go off and find something else to do because it's not in the psyche. We, you know, we're, we're, we're shed people, aren't we? We're, we're tinkerers and we... Uh, we don't mind sharing our work. We don't mind making things better. But when it becomes corporate, we just lose interest. When we were in the you know, Museum of uh, Computing History in Cambridge, it seemed to personify that point of view because, you know, you looked at the BBCs, the Sinclairs, the Oryx Amstrads and things like that, you know, and, and we've all got a PC just sitting in the corner now that does it all. That's... Um, professor business isn't it rather than the uh, the plucky mad inventor in his shed we're, we're more docks and deloreans than we are um gates or jobs with their shiny supercomputers but we Soon couldn't as they... do it without our favorite and visit drink could we so. <laughs> without coca-cola <laughs> do, do, yeah. generic yeah. brown and fizzy brown we don't want to get a copyright strike so I think the main reason why we're shed inventors is because there's no way of making money out of old teletext. That stops us from being corporate with kids.
So, before you go, Carl, favourite moment from the block party? Favourite moment, I think, was meeting Mort again, just seeing Mort again with his uh, wife and sitting down and just seeing what he brought to the community with the um, bid submissions and, and, and all that. You know, he was like, this needs to be shared with people. What is the best way of doing it? And then Jason took it away to scan. That was my favourite moment. He's such a nice person. I've only met him because of the teletech scene enabling me to meet someone like that. It just made the whole weekend, really. I, it would have took a lot to top how I was feeling through the whole lot of it. And Mort coming with, with Julie, that was the only thing that could really top it. So that was my standout moment, and, I, and I'm proud that that was. But uh, meeting everybody else there again, obviously, it couldn't have happened with, without everyone else there. And it was just nice, really. It was good. Low light would be, obviously, not everybody could make it. But that's just one of them things, you know. So, and uh, there, there'll be more. We'll keep yeah. building them, and people will come. That's the thing. I don't know what other people's uh, best memories were of it. While uh, while we're while we're throwing that around, what about you on your Saturday, uh, Nathan? What did you like most about it? Well, the the panels were very good. But I think the moment that I especially remember is in between when we were all just sort of wandering around and chatting, you know, and you were chatting to a whole lot of people about different things, but all teletext related type of thing. I, I think that's quite something. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, I think there's um, a lot to be said for, um, there's been a big debate about working from home or working in the office and like, and, and people are saying, you know, the killjoys say, well, you bet, you know, it's better to come in the office because you can um, mention things and, and workshop things and, and ideas and creativity comes back. I think that would be a really good example of perhaps backing their argument up somewhat because, um, you know, you you might have subliminally took away something there that would be a project or a tweak that you'd make to your service, but you just wouldn't know unless you would have experienced another conversation across the room, you know, from you. So that's why these events are so good because you can pick up on them. Uh, yeah, but no, it was good. It was really nice to see you there as well. I felt somewhat starstruck, Nathan. So that was brilliant. Mm-hmm. What about David? I need to know what your highlight was before I clear off. It went by in a bit of a blur, but I think it's probably sort of seeing how the aftermath's gone. That certainly on the Discord, the view data channels got rather active, so it's it sparked off something there that realistically I think we'd struggle to keep it under the teletext umbrella. But that's a good thing if it's made some connections there. I think that to some extent people were thinking they were doing the view data and the press tell on their own. So just realising that mm-hmm. here's someone who's actually dialing into my service, like John you can realise with mm-hmm. Matthew Harold. So just interesting to see the conversation still going there and Tony's talking about getting some view data displays up in the museum. So Yes, yeah, that's right. And I and I believe that they're um are they speaking to you, Peter, about uh, a teletext system there now? Yeah, we did have a brief word about them. Yeah, I'm sure between us we could lock up something interesting. That's certainly something that we could all sort of uh, go away and do, just a couple of pages each or saying just uh, events or, or, or anything like that, or history pages. I know that um, when Simon was involved more on, on the Teletext side, it was always wanting people to submit text-based stuff and that might be perfect for what the museum are looking for as well, as well as artwork, you know, but, you know, paragraphs and blurbs on, on computers and, and the like. Um, the, the other thing, uh, Peter, is um, your your press fax into Serta was a perfect bridge 
between what the guys in the Prestel were talking about and the teletext, because they were talking about your Pressfax service and you had the very server that they were talking about on display at your table. Yeah, that was thanks to Mark Pendler, who sent me one from, it came from Edinburgh, but the sticker on it said it came from Belfast. Mm. Yeah, that box has been around. Seen a bit of Presbacks in its time. But one day I'm going to take the drive out and image it to see what was going on, and they switched it off. Yeah, do some proper recoveries on it. (laughs) That'd be the ultimate recovery. It'd be the very last recovery that you could possibly make. Well, there wouldn't be any. Uh, there wouldn't be any teletext on there. It'd be the schedules. I wonder yeah. if you had some some text vandal on there, leaving their mark on it. Maybe only if they're experts in Red Hat Linux. I see. Okay. Well, that, that, that's that's narrowing it down a bit. It's just that I know that in um, in some of the fire alarms and intruder alarms that I've installed, there's been zones there that are named after very rude things that only other installers or engineers will ever find. So they always leave something quite obscene in there for the next engineer to find. So it'd be interesting to see if there was any, any anything like that. And if there wasn't, there should have been. That's what that's what I'm getting at. Well, so, I, I wrote the software, so. If there was anything rude on there, it would have been my fault. You should have. You should put message message from your past self to your future self, maybe. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, I've been holding it for too long, Dan. So you, you take back over, mate. And um, okay. I'll sod off in a minute. <laughs> oh, we've very much enjoyed your presence here tonight, Carl. Thank you very much. It's been great to have you back as the co-host yes, on Teletext Sofa Club. And thank you very much for making the vote happen to close block party because it was a very close run thing. If you hadn't gone into the lobby and corralled the stummy winning public, mm-hmm. never have happened. So thank you very much for that. That's it. Well, Teletext was part of their lot, big part of their lives for ten minutes or so. So they were they were patient enough to put up with us as well. So credit to them. So um, all right, mate. I'll catch you all later. Thank you to all of you. See you later. Cheers, Carl. See you, See you next time. Right. Kayanara. Kayanara. The latest meme that is leaking out into the real world. Kayan is the correct way to pronounce it. So, Peter, I wanted to ask you about your BBC pass that you showed off at the block party because it was an interesting relic. And I was wondering, do you think you could still get into the BBC with that? No. No? I think it may have expired. I do wonder what what's in the old central comms area now because that's all been redeveloped so is there even still a central wedge and if so what's there now is there, does somebody have an apartment in central communications area that would be quite a good one <laughs> i don't i don't yeah. know what's in the central wedge anymore you mean the uh, tv center yeah wasn't central communications in the wedge of the donut or is that something no else idea. I'm thinking of? No idea, but certainly all the equipment, all the control rooms and everything went down to White City. So I used to even have another key fob, which would let me into the machine room so I could wander around the machine room. But that one, uh, yeah, they actually took that one from me, so I don't have that one any- anymore. Oh, that's a shame. They banned you from that, the machine room. Well, that was the top of uh, TV Centre. Was that moved to the basement of the media village the machine room had the best view the trouble is that they painted the windows black so you couldn't actually see out of them but they were on the rooftop 
along with all the satellite dishes, all my teletext equipment was up there. Do you think any teletext equipment remains at Media City, or do you think they just dumped it all? Oh, the whole lot's gone. In right. fact, I know where quite a lot of it's gone. Oh, it, really? Yes, the, the uh, Cambridge Computer Museum have got it. Ah, okay. Apparently they've got a warehouse, and it's got hundreds of CRT TVs and hundreds. They've also got a big rack of MRG stuff which obviously was stripped out of one of the control rooms at the time. They're basically using it as TV props. If they need something, they'll say, well, I'll have that, and I'll uh, just rip out all the electronics and control the LCD screen to do whatever they need it to do for TV anytime they need complicated technical equipment. They just go to their pile of stuff in the warehouse. But, yeah, apparently they've got half a dozen MIG inserters which is a nice little hole for them. I always no wanted to get did. my hands on one of the old MRG inserters, but any of them I could see either didn't work, were in a way off in the middle of Europe somewhere and cost a fortune to post, or else were very scammers anyway doing yeah. selling them. We didn't sell a hell of a lot to Europe. Hmm. I know that when the when the BBC finally shut down Presfax, there was a a whole pile of press machines, whatever, to, to uh, dispose of. We should open a Teletext museum. If they would give us some of that equipment, we could <laughs> run a, a charity museum of Teletext. Yeah, I can't imagine it being a real crowd puller. Oh, you never know. We could get some Bamboozle games in there. People always remember Bamboozle and CFX Holidays. We're all going on a CFAX holiday, no red button for a year or two, lots of TFAX and uh, lots of hacking, lots of artwork and sick sales too, you can join us too. Probably be better as a, uh, as a virtual museum. There is the Teletext Then and Now Museum online, isn't there? It's been there for a while. First points of contact for a lot of Teletext people who are looking to find out more about it. Sarah mentions BBC Centre. She says, the central comms room was behind the lifts in the wedge on floor three, I think. You can see it on Google Street View, how it was just before they vacated. Yeah, I've spent far longer than I am prepared to admit wandering through that street view. I just find it incredibly fascinating, that central comms area. (laughs) There's a famous statue in the middle of the dome. I've heard a story about you in that statue. (laughs) Director General Hugh Carlton Green was very proud of this statue. Helios, I think. Helios, yes. All had a bit to drink one night, so I'm out there with the powers of me. Please, Brian, climb the statue. I slowly clambered up, 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 and I got to the top right by the statue. Then suddenly Carlton Green says, well, take it out, take it out, take the bloody thing out. And I took out this condom, it was a big condom. They were kind of like roofing felt in those days. They were so insensitive. So I took out this big condom, this French letter, and, a, and I blew it up till it was a balloon, and I tied it on his... on his... And Hugh Carlton Green said, now I hope people look at the bloody thing. So anything to say in closing, guys? Good night, I think, and see you at the next block party. Yes. When might that be, do you think? Next year? Well, 
where, where might it be? We've ah. got an invitation back from the museum, but there's some who might prefer Wigan for convenience. <laughs> so. Oh, I yeah, see. So you book up a, a Cheltenham. There's, a, there's always Stroud. Yeah. If Cheltenham's not available, so. Right, so, yes, all that remains for me to say is thank you for joining us tonight. Hope you've enjoyed it. I certainly have. I've enjoyed hearing from the panellists just a little bit of a taste of what it would have been like to be there for me. So hopefully you have had the same experience. And all that remains to say is keep it blocky. Good night, all. Goodbye. Bye.